Here's Buddy Franklin knocked away by Morris. Couldn't mark it. Naismith, Kennedy, handball out to Buddy. Buddy tackled by Morris. Oh! Dropping the ball. Boyd took the advantage and played on from inside the centre square. Boyd's kicked the goal. Boyd's oh! kicked the goal from inside the centre. Welcome to the SC Playbook AFL podcast for another week of the AFL season, proudly brought to you by Pat and George from Mortgage Choice SCW. My name is Eddie Dads. I'm back in the hosting chair after a quick European sojourn. Thanks to Charlie Dads for hosting while I was away. Fantastic work as always. Uh, and he's joining me in the studio again today. Uh, Charlie, how'd you find the podca- podcast hosting duties over the last couple of weeks? It was good. Thanks, Eddie. Thanks for having me. Um, Not no, as hard good. as I make it out to be. No, no. Well, the the, ho- uh, the the people that I had on made it very easy. So I think I had uh, Bandit in, in two weeks in a row. And then, well, Dill hosted the first one that you were away and he did a, a pretty stellar job. But um, no, it was good fun, good experience. Uh, he's he's uh, sucking up to the other man on the, the other end of the line over here, the SC Bandit. Uh, he's looking resplendent. It looks like he's got new internet over there. I can't be sure though, but uh, Bandit looking very clear and, uh, and concise over there. How are you on this Tuesday evening? Uh, Monday evening, in fact. Yeah, Monday evening. Yeah, I'm good. Thanks, Eddie. Welcome, welcome back from your nice little Euro trip. You and you and every man and his dog's been uh, wandering off over oh, to God. Europe. It feels like this year. I think everyone's got the travel bug after after a couple of years of COVID. But uh, yeah, good to be back on for a third week in a row. Must be doing something right. There you go. Yep. I mean, the amount of people over in Europe at the moment, it was just ridiculous. Um, I don't know if you boys saw my Instagram stories, but I managed to get on the old course and play at St. Andrews, which was uh, one of my one of my life highlights. So we'll be taking that to the grave with me. But yeah, lots of good fun over there. Uh, it's uh, yeah, hot and nice and beautiful and everything opposite to what Adelaide is at the moment, unfortunately. Um, fortunately, we do have some super coach to chat through this evening. There's a lot going on. Uh, we've had a few suspensions come through from the match review panel in the last couple of hours, which... We will be discussing later. We've got a couple of injuries. We've got upgrades. We've got everything to talk through. So uh, I won't dilly-dally any longer. Uh, boys, I managed a two-five-six-six on the weekend, which I was pretty happy with considering I um, had to field Marich at F6. Uh, that put me at 5,000 for the round and, and 4,000 for the season, which, yeah, for those who have been tracking my progress this season, it's, it's come a long way since the sort of early 20,000s that I was to start with. So very, very happy with that. Charlie, you had a mega week. Talk me through that. Mm. Oh, yeah, I don't know what happened because I also had to field marriage. Um, yeah, held, held Dunkley. I, I got pretty lucky though because yeah, I had still kind of in the in the trade meal all week long. Um, and then, yeah, news got out Friday that Jay-Z, Jack Zebel was going to be the sub. So mm. quickly reversed that and put Jack Zebel um, in the trade-out section. And, yeah, that turned very fruitful with a, yeah, still a 140, um, which was awesome. But, yeah, I'll, we'll touch on him later on in my, uh, my three votes, I assume. Gee, that is a very lucky turn of events for you. Zebul with just 59 as the sub and Steele with a, a monstrous game. I mean, I, I think we'll talk about him a little bit later, but first impressions, do, do you think he's back? Like, is, is he over whatever that, that knee injury, that lingering issue was for him? Is he, is he back on track? Yeah, I, I think he was back, you know, three weeks ago when I think the first game that he didn't have strapping on, um, which was obviously a big tick. Um, yeah, I think that was three weeks ago. And then, yeah, since then he's been building. But well, we have seen this before. I think I, I jumped on after his first big big score. I think it was, a, yeah, it was a 135 against JWS back in round 10. Um, and at that point, I thought he was well and truly back. And, yeah, um, his scoring since then has not been very good up until uh, up until last week. Well, good to see him back in the winner's column. Uh, Bennett, how did you go over the weekend? 
Yeah, not not too bad. Uh, two five five six for me, so pretty um pretty solid week overall. Back into the top four thousand, which is which is nice. But uh, yeah, the challenge will be obviously holding Dunkley, just trying to climb the ranks. I'm missing a few of those really top echelon uh, primos that other teams have got at this point. So uh, yeah, gonna have to get a bit creative to try and um, yeah try and keep climbing the overall ranks. I think it's worth discussing before we move on in too much depth as to yeah what your thought process was with Dunkley going into the weekend, Bandit. Um, personally, I, I really wanted to trade him out and I just couldn't find a way to do it that would uh, allow me to trade in a forward rather than a midfielder, which is what I wanted to do. Um, yeah, just couldn't figure it out. Couldn't get my, my DPP rotations in the right order. Um, yeah, did you did the, did the thought cross your mind of getting rid of Dunks? Yeah, it, it did briefly on probably Wednesday afternoon, just sort of fiddling around with with various trade scenarios and things. Reality is, I don't have enough trades left to bring him back in, and that was probably the reason why I decided to to hold him in the end. Um, and also had Nat Fife to to deal with as well, um, mm. so I ended up flicking Fife for for Callum Mills, which which worked out pretty well. Mills was was solid on. Uh, Thursday night, I think it was against against the Tigers. So um, yeah, that wasn't a bad trade in the end. But yeah, with with three trades left prior to the round, uh, four trades left. Sorry, prior to to last weekend, just didn't have enough trades in the bank to to be able to flick Dunkley and then get him back in once he's um once he's fit. And to be honest, we haven't really heard anything yet about uh, where he's at heading into this week. So there's every chance that he will come straight back in. So it's a big game for Melbourne uh, for Brisbane actually playing Melbourne, I should say, on on Friday Huge. night. So they'll be desperate for him to play. A very gettable Melbourne side at the moment as well. Yeah, I can't work out whether whether it's one of those ones that uh, no news is good news, or whether we should be hoping to get sort of you know the training footage of him ticking the legs over. I'm not sure. I can't work it out. I, I think I'm probably leaning on balance towards him not playing this week. But if it is a two week injury at this point of the season, that's fine. I think uh, every week of the season, boys, we've been doing our most and least valuable players of the of the year votes. Uh, we've got a good little sample size. We're building a nice little uh, competition going on here. So I'm excited to see where this ends up at the, at the end of the season. We'll start with our most valuable players. I'm going to give one vote to uh, the newest entrant to my team, Darcy Parrish. Loved his game against the Crows. Just from a Bombers perspective, from a Supercoach perspective, he was fantastic. Tom Stewart gets two. Um, just junked it up so hard late. Uh, I was expecting a bit of a down score for him. I think he was on 80 with about 10 minutes to go and then finished on 125. So... That was awesome from him. Uh, and then Rowan Marshall gets the three votes. Uh, what an effort from him up against the two Melbourne Ruckmen. Uh, I saw a few St Kilda people on Twitter saying that that's the best game they've seen him play, which is uh, pretty high praise for a guy who's he's been at a high level for a long time. So that was fantastic from him. Really enjoyed watching that. Those are my votes. Ben, where did you go for your most valuable player of the week votes? Uh, yeah, I gave one to, to Charlie's boy, Jack Steele. Um had a really, really good game on the weekend. And as you said, maybe his body's just starting to come good. He's been pretty banged up um, through the first half of the year. So fingers crossed he's um, he's ready to finish the year strongly for, for owners, including myself. Um, gave two to, to Rowan Marshall. Um, yeah, as you said, uh, Eddie, just a, an exceptional game against two of the premier ruckmen of the, of the last 10 years or so. That was a, a super impressive performance, albeit in a loss. Um, and gave three to, to Errol Gordon. Um, he's going to be a very, very good player for a very long time for, for the Swans. And I'm, I'm really crossing all my fingers that we can keep him as a forward in, in 2024. He's kicked 14 goals for the season so far. So fingers crossed that that's enough to um, for him to retain his DPP heading into, into next season. But um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not holding my breath. 
No, neither am I. Um, without seeing the heat maps or anything, it does seem like he's playing, you know, a wing role, which which uh, I saw him a lot of times sort of sweeping back to the defensive goal square, getting kicks out of there. So I think, I think that's kind of his role at the moment. But even if we don't get him as a, as a forward, he's going to be pretty tempting as a midfielder as well, just quietly. Uh, he, he's a fantastic footballer. Charlie, where did you go with your most valuable player votes? I gave um, one to Tom Mitchell. Wasn't wasn't the biggest score of the round, but um, yeah, I brought him in post by and he stunk it up with an 85 and a 92, so it was good to see him tick over the the, the century mark. Um, that was a, that was a nice sight. I gave two votes to yeah Errol, um, yeah unbelievable player, unbelievable to watch, and then three votes to Jack Steele uh, for his 140 um, after months of misery. Uh, it was good to see that. That is very nice to see. Uh, yeah, I mean that must have been so satisfying as an owner, right? Like just watching that unfold. Mm. Yeah, it was. Oh, I mean, I didn't even watch the game. But I was just looking at the. I was just refreshing fan footy. I think I was playing golf at the time, um, and I just saw yeah, quarter time. It was on like fifty two. Um, I put the text into our chat, and I was like, oh god, it feels good. And then Nico was just like, I forgot what Nico said. But he, he said something typically. He said Nico you were going fan. the early crow. Yeah, he tried to bring he tried to bring <laughs> yeah. down a peg or two. I think he standard. Did. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, then yeah, three quarter time rolled around. I think he was on like one hundred and twelve, and. Yeah, it was oh so satisfying. It's an interesting one. I, I I have my doubts as to whether he's going to keep it up. But um, yeah, that's just me. I don't want to brain on your parade. He was absolutely fantastic. So we'll leave that one there. Least valuable player of the year votes. I'm going to give one to Mason Redman, uh, who's just been a thorn in my side this season, quite frankly. Uh, Bandit, as you uh, brought up in our chat very meanly this afternoon, I traded Jordan Ridley to Redman and Without looking at the stats since about round six, I would dare say Jordan Ridley's outscoring him, um, which is uh, yeah a bit of a nightmare. He's down at like 480K as well, which just makes it really difficult to get up to a, a Sicily who's at 640K. Um, yeah, it's just sort of in no man's land. Seems to have a hamstring issue. We'll wait and see if he plays this week. I'm kind of hoping he doesn't play because that would give me the impetus I need to get rid of him. So he gets the one vote. Tom, uh, Sorry, Tom Green gets the two. I don't really know what's going on with Tom Green, but uh, yeah, that's a couple of really poor scores in a row for him. Um, and then and then three votes go to Darcy Cameron, who's just been super underwhelming since I brought him in two weeks ago. Um, yeah, sharing ruck duties with Frampton and, and Cox, which is a nightmare. Yeah, real pain in my ass he, he is. So, yeah, th- that's my three votes of the week. Uh, what would you go with least valuable, Charlie? I gave one vote to, to Ryan Marich, which, yeah, is pretty harsh. Um, oh, my God. He's the only player that, that could cover Josh Dunkley. And look, a 44 Jeez, service ball. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's just because I'm used to Dunkley's, you know, 130s and 150s, and yeah, seeing that 100 point differential was a was a tough sight to that see. That might be the um, roughest one of the season. That that's the roughest one of the oh, season that I've heard. I reckon. There's been way rougher. There's been way rougher. What do you um, mean? He's like a fifth gamer, and he came in and did pretty well. I thought. I'm, I'm not. I'm not judging. I'm just saying I didn't like the score. You are judging. It's exactly what you're doing. <laughs> I'm, I'm judging. I'm judging the squad. Anyway, this is, a, this is a, no. This is a safe space. This is a safe space. Yeah, it is. It is. Thank you. Yeah. Um, two votes goes to yeah your boy. Well, actually, our boy Eddie Mason Redman. Um, uh, I think I brought him yeah. a similar time to you, and yeah, yeah. I, I will give him the benefit of the doubt. Um, he has been tagged two of the last three weeks. Um, once against Frio, and then most recently, I think Ben Keys is paying him a bit of attention. So well, I can let that slide. But yeah, he really needs to pick his season up asap. Um, and three votes goes to Harry Sheasel, who, yeah, I think for many, um, he'll be top of the trade out list um, with just a 65, and his role was up in the air. He was playing a bit forward um, uh, on the weekend, and, and yeah, he looks like a, a, a pretty good trade out option. 
Yeah, what, what what's becoming of that role? What did you see from from his role that made you think that he's it's time for him to go? Is it is it the lack of CBAs? Um, what is it? What is it in particular? I think it's just the the lack of seagull role, if you will, off halfback. Yeah. I think he started the the game in defence, and then when Jack Zebel came on pretty early, uh, I think he came on in the first quarter. That was kind of when yeah the magnet started to shift a little bit, and um, I think he had one CBA in the second second quarter, and then spent a fair bit of the third quarter up forward, um, and obviously the last quarter as well. It just yeah, it wasn't wasn't pretty vision. Um, it definitely wasn't what I was looking for uh, as a she's alone. I, I, yeah, I want to see him at halfback and, and getting those cheap kicks. Yeah, I feel like it's it's panic stations for North at the moment. I feel like they're throwing the magnets around a bit, trying to see what they've got. Um, what is it, 14 losses in a row. Uh, yeah, they're in a bit of strife, and I think Sheezel is a bit of a symptom of that. Same with Zebel. Like I just think they've twigged that it's kind of pointless having these guys pick up 25 uncontested possessions a game. Like, Why, why do we need that at this point of the season? Uh, Bandit, what about you with your least valuable player votes? Yeah, I agree on North. I think they're just about ready to start booking their, their footy trips by the looks of um, the weekend. They were, they were dreadful. Um, anyway, I uh, gave one to Taranto. Um, he's back-to-back lowest scores for the year in the last fortnight, so hopefully he'll bounce back because he's been excellent for us for the majority of the season. He's probably been one of the, the starting picks of the year, to be honest, so um, fingers mm. crossed he can, he can bounce back. Um, gave two to Tom Green. He hasn't been a failed pick, I don't think, but he's probably not what we were sort of hoping for when we picked him at no. the start of the year. We were, I think a lot of us were hoping that he'd sort of go 110 to, to 115 and really become that um, sort of Clayton Oliver type that, um, you know, he kind of looks like he could be. But just, yeah, for whatever reason, hasn't really come on this year. And, and the weekend against Hawthorne was his lowest score for, for the season. So, um, yeah, he gets two from me. Um, and then three votes. I'm surprised you guys didn't, didn't find this guy, but Josh Kelly. He absolutely yeah, cops three votes from me this week. He got absolutely yeah. clamped by Finn McGuinness on Saturday. 85% time on ground for six disposals and 23 super coach points. What is that? That is, mm. that that is, is unbelievable. That is unbelievable. I think if imagine if he played for a Melbourne club, the sort of attention that would be getting at the moment. I mean, oh, that was, yeah, yeah that's unbelievable. Is, is McGuinness that much of a lockdown? I mean, I have, confess I haven't watched that much of Hawthorne this year, but gee whiz, that's some sort of effort from him. He's certainly capable, but I mean, Kelly's like, Kelly's a gun. Like, he's, he's never yeah. had a, he's never, I looked it up on AFL tables today. He's never had a game where he's recorded more than 80% time on ground and had less than 10 disposals in a game. And that includes games yeah. where he's had like injury and stuff. Um, so yeah, that, that's yeah. He, he had an absolute shocker on the weekend. So yeah, he's he cops three from me. Far out. We need to keep a bit of an eye on Finn McGuinness going forward for for vice captain and captaincy picks. I mean, that's uh, that's some sort of display from him, uh, boys. It's been a long AFL season already, and if your super coach team has been stinking it up, and you've been dreaming about cocktails on the beach in Mexico, eating gelato in Rome, or not being able to remember half your time in Vegas with the boys, Pat and George from Mortgage Choice can help you get there. Whatever you want to do and wherever you'd like to go, you can speak to the boys today about how you can get quick and easy access to cash at the lowest rate possible so you can book that last minute flight today. Message them on their Instagram handle at Pat and George Mortgage Choice to get it sorted. You can also jump into any of the articles on the web on their website for the sorry, on our website for their email, phone contact, or QR code details. And please remember if you mention the SC Playbook podcast, then you won't pay their usual $129 fee. Great work from the boys at Mortgage Choice, as always. Boys, <clears throat> into the big topics for this week. Um, I wasn't quite sure where to start because there's actually a lot, there's a bit going on this week. Uh, so I kind of wanted to just get a little bit of a lay of the land first. And I've been really enjoying some of Charlie's work over the last couple of weeks. Uh, so I wanted to sort of check back in on a few of the guys that we've been harping on about over the last couple of weeks, see where we're at 
um, see what we're planning to do with these guys, how essential we feel they are for certain teams, whether you're looking to bring them in, um, any thoughts you've got on them. So I want to start. I want to start off with you, Bandit, um, and we're going to talk about Tuke Miller really quickly because I think uh, me, like many other coaches, have been waiting essentially, I mean, half the season at this point for Tuke to come back into the Gold Coast side. He finally did on the weekend. He's at 556K, scored 92 on the weekend and has a 186 break even. So he's going to be cheap as chips in a couple of weeks. What did you make of, of Tuke's return to AFL footy? Yeah, it looks like the Suns um, clearly nursed him back into into proceedings, just 17% um, CBAs for him on the weekend, which is his lowest uh, centre bounce attendance on, on record by quite some distance. Um, so that's a bit of an indicator that they were just sort of nursing him back into back into things at, at the top level. But uh, I think you'd probably have to give him at least one more week with um, a break even of 186. I mean, he's going to drop another 30, 40K at least this week, even if he, um, even if he does score really well. But... Um, yeah, look, if you've got luxury trades, he's going to be a monster pot on the way home, I think, if if you do have sort of five, six trades left. Um, he's definitely one I'd be considering very, very strongly, given that he's going to be around 500K. Um, he hasn't been that cheap for a long time, so um, that looks like great value for money. How much stock do you put in Stuart Jew's comments yesterday, essentially saying, we like the look of him at half forward. The role there wasn't to protect him. We felt that our midfield crew has served us really well and thought he could give us some potency forward of the ball. I've nearly quoted Stuart verbatim there, and he couldn't have been much clearer about what he what he's saying anyway. That he sees Tuke's role going forward. Do you, are you kind of shaking your head at me? And I think I agree, but do you put any value in that whatsoever? Well, he's not going to do his coaching career any favors if he's leaving his best midfielder at half forward on a half forward flank. <laughs> that's all. That's all I'll say. Come on, Stewie, do the right thing by super coaches and play him in the guts where he belongs. I think you. I think you bang on. Now, Charlie, I think the the sort of obvious move for for coaches who have a couple of trades left would potentially be Tom Green to Tuke Miller. Uh, maybe not this week, but in another week. Is that something that that's on your radar for the backup for the back end of the season? I, I don't own Tom Green. Um, I have, I've never owned him this year. Um, but if, yeah, if I was a Tom Green owner, um, I think that's a yeah, it's a pretty it's a pretty safe safe bet that one. Or you could just. I don't want to harp on about it too much because we have so often over the last month, but you could just wait until until Clayton Oliver, if Clayton Oliver returns um, and go nah. Tom Green to him. Because I think, well, I think if, if he comes back, I think Clayton Oliver would be a far better pod than, nah. than Tuke Fall. He's a cross-off for me. He's still a month away. Um, he's definitely not going <clears> to <throat> be playing bulk midfield minutes when he comes back in. Oliver's a big cross-off for me. I, look, I I think I put slightly more stock in, in Stewie Jew's words than you do, Bandit, um, because, yeah, the Gold Coast midfield group has been pretty solid. Um, but, yeah, I think he is going to be playing midfield. I, I need one more week to have a look at him. If he, if he yeah. attends 25% CBAs this week and looks good, uh, he's going to be right up the top of the list of people that I'm going to use my last couple of trades on. The next one is, is a guy that Bandit brought in last week, and I think, Charlie, you've been... You've been pretty hot on Mills for a few on this guy for a few weeks. It's Callum Mills. Uh, he's at 427k, which is <clears throat> absurd for a player of his caliber. His caliber had 99 last game, and his break even is 39. So this is the cheapest you're going to get him on the run home, I would say, unless something catastrophic happens. Yeah, what do you make of Mills? What did you see from him in the weekend? Um, yeah, do you think he's one of those guys that you need to have for the last sort of six or seven rounds of the year? Yeah, well, I'm a very, very happy owner at this point. I brought him in as well. Um, so, yeah, couldn't be more stoked with how he went. Um, he had six or 17 CBAs. Um, I think it was like the third most for, for Sydney midfielders. Um, so, like, he's getting his, his fair share of, of, 
of um, of centre bounces around the ground uh, around the game. Sorry, um, he just looks really good. Like he, he looks almost back to back to what he was last year. And I remember he posted that that massive two hundred score in Hawthorne, and I, I legit wouldn't put it past him. Um, like to be able to do that again with the remaining fixtures, he plays Frio. Um, he could do it there. Essendon, Gold Coast, um, even plays Adelaide. Like I think he's got a great fixture run for the for the rest of the year. And and yeah, I think at four hundred twenty seven k, um, obviously he's not as cheap as he was last week. But I think that's still like a no brainer trade. And you just you get him in without hesitation. Look, my hesitation, Bandit, is that I just don't know what Sydney are going to do week to week now. Jake Lloyd has obviously copped um, a concussion in the in the game against Richmond. You know, Mills is is a similar player to Lloyd. If you put them in, in in similar spots, he can play that kind of that halfback, potentially playing a little bit locked down, potentially running off his man a little bit. Are you worried that all of a sudden John Longmire is just going to throw the magnets in the air and, and Mills is going to be back in the back, you know, back pocket? Um, I don't think halfback's too bad a role for him. I'd be more concerned if they played him at fullback like they did against Geelong and he played on a Tom Hawkins type. Um, but I think that halfback role's not not too bad, if he, even if he does go back there. Um, the Swans did rule out Chad Warner already for this week again, so um, they do need some midfield reinforcements in there. So I think they'll leave him in there for the for the time being. Um, I should have actually looked up his, um, his centre-bounce stats. I haven't got those in front of me from the week just gone, but... Um, yeah, I mean, he, he scored well on the weekend. He, he came home with a bit of a rush, actually. He was looking um, not too good in the first half, and then he really um, picked up in the second half against Richmond um, last week. So, um, yeah, as, as Charlie said, great buying at, at 427K. He's come down, um, what, 200, 200 grand from his starting price. So that doesn't happen for very often for these top miners. So fingers crossed if he averages you know 105 from here, I think that's a pretty good result. Yeah, I'm trying to nitpick, but I, I can't really find much. And, and and you know, the counterpoint to my Lloyd argument is that yeah, as you said, Chad Warner's out again. Robottom sore, Sheldrick sore. So there is midfield time available, and I think I think Mills steps straight into that. Uh, the next guy on the list that uh, we've been talking a fair bit about over the last couple of weeks is Darcy Parish. Uh, I've already mentioned him in my most valuable player of the week vote, so I think I know where we're all going to be at with this one. But he's at 582k, coming off a 126 break even of 76. Uh, He's one of the guys I'd be selling the farm for. Uh, the Bombers still play the Eagles uh, and North Melbourne. As Nico, I think, mentioned on the pod last week, he's in a, he's in a contract year, Darcy Parish. So um, he's just trying to get as much footy as he possibly can. He still absolutely burns the ball, but it's getting it's getting better as he sort of acclimatizes to the to the game going uh, to the AFL game after a, a big time off. Uh, Bennett, I mean, is there anything? Is there any reason not to grab Parish at this point? Um, probably not, based on how he's playing at the moment. The one. Um consideration I guess you might have is that he's probably a little bit more expensive than some of the other guys we've got on this list. Um, you know, Took Miller's still on the way down in terms of price. Um, Cal Mills, Jack Steele, these these guys are, you know, anywhere from sort of 50 to 100 grand cheaper than than he is. Um, Mills, almost 160 grand cheaper. So, um, you know, it's just that that cost benefit, I guess you got to weigh up with with bringing him in. But, you know, from a from a super coach point of view, I, I, I agree completely. He's playing for a a massive contract at the end of this year, and um, he'll be he'll be really keen to make every post a winner from here. Um, so yeah, I don't see why you couldn't bring him in if you haven't got the funds. Yeah, that's that's about all that I can think of with that one. He's he's been fan- I'm enjoying having him in my team. He's one of those guys that when you don't have him, it's just so annoying watching him slut around the back of contests. Um, Darcy Cameron, Charlie, I mentioned him earlier as well. I'm detesting watching him go about it at the moment. I mean, what like what's going on? Why is he not scoring? Yeah, I mean. To, you know, he's played some pretty tough Ruckman in the last three weeks. Um, Adelaide, again, you know, Rob, um, uh, who did he just play? Um, 
Oh, Wits. He's played Wits. Um, and then he had Jimmy. Yeah, like those are those are three of, of arguably the hardest, you know, ruck oppositions um, aside from Hawthorne that you're going to get this year. Um, and it, it's not getting any easier. He's, he plays Sean Darcy this week, who just had 58 yeah. hitouts against Carlton. Um, albeit, you know, a ruckmanless Carlton, but still 58 hitouts. That's that's monstrous. I think, yeah, it's it's only going to get worse before it gets better for for Darcy Cameron owners. And yeah, just two tons since his um his return in round ten. So yeah, being an owner would be um a pretty rough time at the moment. Fremantle win the most hit out percent. They have the highest hit out win percentage in the league. I've, I was looking at before. They win almost fifty one percent of hit outs. So uh, that's going to be tough for Darcy Cameron this week. Uh, I'm I'm just a bit stuck with him. I don't. I, I thought Bandit that he was one of those guys that I could bring in, and I, I just knew he was going to average one hundred and ten on the way home. Like, what was I missing with that trade in? Yeah, I don't know. I think Mason Cox being in the team kind of counts against him a little bit. I think because I think they do like having. Cox there is that backup Ruckman. Um, I reckon they'll fiddle with that a little bit on the way home just to try and get McStay back into the team potentially just because I think he offers a bit more forward than, than Cox does um, and they'll sacrifice that sort of second ruck role for, for more forward output. But, um, yeah, fingers crossed um, uh, Cameron can sort of turn around a bit, I guess, because, yeah, like you said, he's been, he's, he hasn't been terrible. Um, that game against Gold Coast was obviously not great the other week, but um, you know, 80 points against Tim English, you'd probably take that, I reckon. But, um, yeah, we'll be hoping for a few um, improved performances on the way home. Yeah, I did see that he, I think he took 70, over 75% of of, um, of hit outs over the weekend. Um, so that's that's something. It does show that he's getting more of the more of the around the ground stuff than, than he was previously. So he had 75% center bounce attendances and 67 ruck contests versus the Dogs. On the weekend, so yeah, hopefully that's one of the, those ones where he's coming good. Um, we've already mentioned a lot about Jack Steele. Um, I did just want to get your thoughts, Bandit. He's at four hundred and seventy-four k, one hundred and forty on the weekend, and a break-even of forty-five. I personally don't buy it. Um, are you buying it? No, not really. Well, I sort of I'm forced to buy it because I have him in my team. But uh, <laughs> yeah, one one swallow doesn't make a summer, as they say. So. Um, yeah, hey, if, he, nice. if he if he backs up again next week, then you know you can potentially look at him. He's not going to go up that much. He's break he's break even. He's low this week at, at forty five. Um, so he could go up, you know, sort of twenty to twenty five k if he if he pumps out another ton. But um, you know, he, he'll still be well within reach in that price range if um if you do want to wait the, the extra week. Uh, last one in this little list of players that I wanted to discuss was George Hewitt. Charlie, he's at 280K, he's mid only, um, coming off a 17. So I, I can't imagine there'd be many times we've talked about players coming off a 17 that are looking attractive from a super coach perspective. He's got a break even of 125. So you might even get cheaper than, 100, uh, than 280K, which is remarkable given what we saw from Hewitt last week. I've been playing around with my team all day trying to find a way to get him in. Uh, is it worth it? Yeah, I did. Like he averaged 111 last year. Um, he had defender status. Obviously, yeah, he was a lot more relevant than he was this year. Um, his last four games have been sub-affected, so that explains why he's so cheap. And like 280k for a player that averaged 111 the year before, like that's ridiculous value. He, he's probably got an opening into, into the Carlton midfield now that Matt Kennedy's out injured. Um, yeah. Upper extended his knee, looked pretty bad. So yeah, there's a free midfield spot up for grabs. Um, yeah, like I can get there. Well, as of next week, I've got enough money in the bank to be able to go Jasper Fletcher to him in one trade and then just loop, you know, him with, with Mills or Steel or, you know, whoever at, at M8, M9. Um, I think, yeah, it's, it's like it's a very hard price tag to, to turn a blind eye to. 
Mm, I mean, the Matt Kennedy injury is is the the sticking point. I mean, that's that's what's going to unlock midfield time for him. It just feels like it might be one of those kind of wasted trades you don't really need to do at the end of this, like coming to the end of the season. Bandit, where are you? Where are you standing on that? Have you been playing around with with your team this week trying to slot him in? Uh, I haven't been trying to slot him in. I'd be a lot more interested if he was DPP like like last year when he yeah. was defender mid. Um, that would be really handy because I don't um, really have any bench cover in, in my defensive line at the moment. I've got um, O'Shane Mullen on, on the bench who played last week, but I don't think he'll be in the, the Cats team for, for the long term. So, yeah, look, if he was a defender mid, I'd be a lot more interested. But, uh, yeah, the fact that he's been subbed so often this year just sort of indicates to me that Carlton are potentially going past him a little bit, um, trying to give more mid-time to... You know, Chera, Walsh, um, these sorts of guys who cover the ground a bit better than, than Hewitt does. So, um, yeah, not for me. Yeah, I mean, Chera, hard to argue with Chera's form recently. God, he's been amazing. Um, still flying under the radar, I think, from a super coach perspective as well. Um, good chat with those guys. I did. We The next thing we need to talk about this week is, uh, obviously, it's DPP Editions Week. Um, so we have the list of players that have, have gained uh, a position um, nothing really that's going to light the world on fire. It's more about sort of flexibility, it looks like, these guys. So Sam Doherty gets uh, mid- midfield status. Devin Robinson gets uh, gets forward status, which can be really handy for some teams. Nick Dacos, mid. Um, Angus Brayshaw, mid. Jack Sinclair, mid. I mean, yeah, nothing really out of this bandit. Does it, has that unlocked anything for you in terms of a little bit of flexibility in your, t- in your team? No, not really. I've only got uh, Dacos and Sinclair on that list, so... Not really uh, relevant for me. Our boy Nico will be happy with uh, Dev Robertson getting mid forward. That'll unlock uh, another DPP for him, so he'll be happy with that. But uh, yeah, not to stitch up. <laughs> the, the classic the Nico. Super coach game for, his way. Yeah, the super coach game barracks for Nico sometimes. I think. But, um, <laughs> yeah, look, no, nothing, really nothing does. too sort of eye shatter, uh, eye watering there. Angus Brayshaw is a, a slightly interesting one. He's he's picked up since Oliver's been out of the team. He's been playing more of a midfield role with. With Clary not there, so um, he's potentially a nice little pod that you could bring in as a sort of D seven M nine cover potentially, just as something left field, and um, you never know, he could just um, throw out a big score, which he has done over the last few weeks with with Oliver not on the team. Yeah, the only sort of thing that that sprung to mind with these additions is whether you can, because I think I think we'll, we will discuss him at some point in this podcast. But for me, the the number one trade in option this week is James Sicily. Um, who's coming back in off his suspension. I think he's about 644K. So I was kind of thinking if, if you if you wanted to do it, you could almost trade out one of your mid, let's say for argument's sake, Tom Green, trade him out, swap Nick Dacos up to, to the midfield and then play uh, James Sicily uh, in defense. So, I mean, it, it could potentially unlock something like that. It's always, it's all a bit sidewaysy, and I don't know if it's worthwhile, but yeah, anyway, bit of flexibility out of these changes. Uh, nothing, nothing that's going to light the world on fire. Um, Time to get into a bit of the injuries and suspensions for the week because a lot of these are really, really relevant. So um, we'll go through one by one. The first one is is Josh Dunkley, Charlie. The the corked calf that was the bane of our existence last year with George Hewitt. Is it going to be friendlier on us this week with Josh Dunkley? Oh, there's there's been no news, so like it's all speculation at this point. Um, to be honest, the like yeah, the last bit of news we got was when he actually did it. Um, there's been no further updates since then, so. Yeah, obviously he missed last week and, and, yeah, I would assume given that they've got a Friday night game, he misses this week. Um, and, look, I'm, I'm praying that he's back the week after. But, yeah, like we just don't know until until there's a bit of news or, you know, pictures that come out. This is going to be so touch and go. 
isn't it, Ben? I feel like this is one of those ones we're not going to know until Friday pre-game. Like it's going to go right down to the wire. Yeah, screams screams like they'll name him, and then he could be laid out potentially on on the night. Um, which yeah, yeah, it's it's just the short turnaround this week, which which could kill him. They played Saturday twilight last week, and then on oh no, a Saturday afternoon, I think last week, and then they've got a Friday night game this week. If he was playing, you know, Sunday afternoon or Sunday twilight, he might be a, a better chance to get up. I, I'd be surprised if Brisbane risk him. Um, you know, calves can be tricky injuries to manage, and if you do it, if you do it properly, um, you know, it's up it's up to a month on the sidelines potentially trying to trying to rehab it. So, um, yeah, I'd be surprised if they risked him this week. Just bearing in mind that there is a big finals campaign coming up for the Lions, and I think they'll want to get him back to one hundred percent if they can. What about Clayton Oliver? Charlie mentioned him before as a guy that he's sort of still holding out hope for as as coming back in in the, in the last couple of games of the season. It could be a a season-shaping move, bringing him in. Is there any news on him? What are we looking at with with, with Clary? Yeah, well, he failed his fitness testing last week and Melbourne have ruled him out for another three to four. So um, I think the real question there is if you haven't traded him out yet, why haven't you? Um, because, <laughs> you know, reality is that he's not going to be back until sort of the last month of the season and even then he'll, be, he'll just be building his way back into it before the finals. So, um, yeah, I just don't think you can have that money sitting on the bench anymore if you've got the trades to, to get rid of him. I think now's that if you haven't pulled the trigger, it's absolutely time to. It's yeah, I just I know that we don't want to be conspiracy theory guys on this pod, but there's there's something going on there, isn't there? Like this is ridiculous. I've never seen how can he be in a fight with the trainer at training, wanting to play, trainer telling him he's not gonna play, neck minute missing four weeks. What is going on there? Yeah, I've, I don't know. I think Melbourne just just completely butchered the, the messaging around it. They should have just said in their injury reports that he was going to miss three to four weeks to start with. And then, you know, if he was back earlier than that, then, you know, so be it. But, um, yeah, the fact that they said, you know, over and over again, you know, for weeks on end that he was he was going to play next week, he was going to play next week, he was going to play next week, and then all of a sudden he's out for another three to four now on top of that. Um, yeah, not not great messaging from the club on that one, I don't think. So they'll, uh, they'll have to have a look at how they've sort of handled that whole situation. Absolutely bizarre, that one. Um, Charlie, one of my boys I want to hear about is Jordan Ridley. Now, I did see some Twitter come through my desk this morning that that he may have avoided serious injury for what looked like, a, a, you know, for all money in ACL in, in real time. He was in heaps of pain, did the classic hyperextension. It looked horrible. Uh, he's in 9% of teams. So this is news that affects a lot of teams. I mean, is there a chance that we see him against Geelong this weekend? Yeah, oh, definitely. Um, yeah, coaches have come out, or Chris Cotter's, come out and, and said that he's definitely Brad. a chance because I'm oh, sorry, Brad, sorry. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, he's definitely a chance. He, he only came away with bone bruising, um, which is Can't lucky considering the incident. It looked – it was horrible. I, I was wincing and, yeah, he was wincing as well. It, it just – yeah, it wasn't a pretty sight to see. Um, but, yeah, it was just bone bruising, you know, that that lingers. But, yeah, you can definitely play in the, in the week that it happens. You can. It's uh, um, not to bring up my own footy career. Did kick five on the weekend, just quietly, boys. Um, but <laughs> oh. I have done the have done have done the hyperextension before, and it, it does. It is a lot of swelling, and it's very painful. Um, but it does sort of tend to go down, and you can kind of play through it to an extent. So I actually think he will play this weekend because we need him. We got absolutely destroyed by the Geelong forward line uh, last time the Bombers played them. So any help down there is going to be valuable. I think he'll play, uh, which is just amazing given what it looked like at the time. Uh, Jack Siebel, Bandit. Uh, out of favour, sore, old shit. What's going on with him? Why was he sub on the weekend? Well, before we get to Zeeble, let's talk about the five on the weekend. Straight off the plane and then just <laughs> kicking bags in local footy. What's Did you win at least? 
look, I'll talk. I'll talk you through it. Um, three goals, two in the opening quarter. Oh. Uh, so, so it was just had had the Superman cape on fan footy, had everything, a couple of score involvements as well, a couple of intercept marks. Uh, look, the team we were playing wasn't up, wasn't much chop. They'd forfeited the week before and uh, they think I'd, they just managed to scrape a team oh, together last week. So we won by about 100 points in the wet. Uh, it was raining, it was wet. Uh, but yeah, five goals, about 30, 30 posies. Pretty good, pretty good <laughs> what, outing what, for the boys. What grade was that? So what grade were you playing? <laughs> Uh, uh, no comment. No, no comment on what grade it was. No comment. Give twenty or something like that. <laughs> uh, yeah, good. I had to get that in at some point. I'm, I was hoping Charlie was going to bring it up earlier. I told him to come watch me on Saturday. He, he didn't come watch, uh, and yeah, there was a display put on. Yeah, well, he we, we missed out by the sounds of it. Um, anyway, getting back to getting back to Jack's evil. Um, yeah, yeah. Geez, just started as a sub on the weekend. Came into the game early with Griffin Lowe going down with with an ACL, um, which is no good. But geez, he looked awful. And he just like every, everyone from North looked pretty awful on the weekend, to be honest. But he looked especially awful. Um, looks like he needs a spell and needs needs a break. Um, yeah, I'd be, I'd be jumping ship to be honest. If, if you've got trades up your sleeve, yeah. I'd be looking to to move him on ASAP because yeah, he just looks just looks pretty cooked to be honest. I think it was actually one of those weird ones where it was almost a blessing for coaches like Charlie that he was named as the mm. sub um, because I feel like if he wasn't named as the sub, he would have been subbed off during that game, which uh, which would have been even worse as, a, as an owner because he didn't have the chance to get rid of him. Uh, look, not to harp back, but um, we did our big calls halfway through the season and, and I think it should have been obvious at that point that yeah, this whatever he was doing in that North team is just not not sustainable from a from a north perspective i mean that that doesn't make any sense for them to let him control the back line like he does so yeah he uh i'd be surprised if he plays this week um which is yeah a shame for him he's been a good player for a long time but yeah north just don't need those sort of players anymore jeremy cameron charlie i've seen a lot of people chatting on twitter about how cheap he's going to be in a couple of weeks uh is he any chance to come and play this week against the bombers please tell me no no, no, not this week. Uh, but Chris, Chris Scott, um, yep, yeah, he said yesterday nice. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, that Jez is going to be available for round 18. Um, so, yeah, in two weeks' time, and, yeah, like you definitely wouldn't bring him in, bring him in straight away because he's got such a high break even. But, um, yeah, he's going to be dirt cheap. Um, yeah, I'm looking at him. at the moment. Yeah, yeah, with a break, he's got a monster break, like 180, isn't it? It's almost like you, you could almost go Sheldrick straight trade to him. Um, yeah. In fact, Sheldrick, Sheldrick might be more expensive than him in a couple of weeks, which is uh, yeah, quite something. I'm looking now. He's he's projected to get he's projected to get below 300k. Um, yeah. yeah. That's bizarre for a guy that we were talking about as as potentially an F5 or an F6 a couple of weeks ago. So good news. He's not yeah. playing this week. He is an intriguing option uh, for the end of the season. Uh, Mason Redmond, Bennett, have you managed to find anything on him today? I've, I've, it seems to be a bit of a black hole around what actually is going on with him. Is there any news on that little hammy that he had? Yeah, I don't know. Like you said, he, he got some treatment late in that game against Adelaide on, on Sunday with, with that hammy. And um, you never know. With it, I mean, Essendon didn't sub him off because they obviously subbed Ridley off. They wanted to look after his knee. But um, yeah, he might have been a sub candidate potentially if, if Ridley was, was fit and, and was able to get through the game. So... Yeah, we'll have to wait and see on that one. Um, nothing's come out that I've seen so far, but um, yeah, clubs generally wait a couple of days till they sort of get through their recovery phase of the training and stuff to sort of put the injury report injury report together. So we'll have to um, to keep an eye on him. But you'd think playing the Cats this week, it's a massive game for for both sides. So they'll be doing everything they can to to get him up. 
absolutely enormous game uh, for the Bombers. Yeah, I don't know. It, it just It's one of those ones I never like seeing a guy sort of hobble off with a hammy and I know they can try and run through it, but yeah, it's uh, it's going to be an interesting one. I'm not sure that he'll play this weekend, but we'll wait and see. I'm kind of hoping he doesn't. As I said, I, I do want to get rid of him for my team. Um, what about George Wardlaw, Charlie? He was a laid out for the Kangaroos. Was that just a, a weird sort of managing issue? What was what was going on there? Yeah, I don't know. They they said managed on the on the team list, um, but yeah, like nothing's come out in the news or on Twitter. Like there's been no news related to it. Um, I think, yeah, given like the, the lateness of the change, I'd assume it was just, you know, illness related and and he picked up, you know, a bit of a virus in the morning and, and they just decided to rest him that week. So yeah, I imagine he'd be um he'd be straight back into the team given how poorly North Melbourne played and, and how good of a player he is. I think he'll find his way straight back. Uh, I am just reading, sorry, going back to Mason Redmond really quickly. I did just find something on the Hun, the Herald Sun today that uh, apparently Redmond was just cramp in the in the, in the the hammy. So that seems more likely that he'll play. Um, Wardlaw probably has to go anyway at this point of view. If you're still holding him, feels like a, a perfect little upgrade target, uh, upgrade candidate. Uh, Jake Lloyd, Bandit, I mentioned him earlier. He's going to miss at least one, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he got cleaned up by Nankervis on uh, on Thursday night and failed a concussion test um, during the game. So, yeah, he's uh, he's already out for this week at least. Um, he's another one. Um, you know, if you've got trades, probably time to move him on anyway. Um, hasn't been seeing the world on fire, but with that, you know, 31 in his price cycle for the next couple of weeks, he's going to drop a lot of cash. So, um, yeah, I'll be moving him on before, um, before he comes back into the side and, and loses a bit of money. Poor old, poor old Rain Man. I think he had he's had Jake Lloyd and he also had Matt Kennedy as well, uh, which is looking like two two great pods until uh, until they've both gone down yeah. with injury. Last one um, in this little list of players that we need to talk about is Caleb Sarong, who's copped a one match ban from the match review panel. I mean, it looks soft as anything to me. Nico was saying that the reverse angle looks worse. Uh, look, I don't know. I, I mean, he's got a week. He's going to be he'll be lucky if he can get off from it, but it's rough. Um, a lot of people would have gone Dunkley to Sarong. Uh, a lot of people are holding Sarong. He's in a lot of teams. So that's that's really uh, annoying news for them. Um, personally, love it. Means a, means a big week for Andrew Brayshaw, hopefully. Sarong's in 20% of teams. Jesus Christ. Okay, that's massive news. Um, obviously, you have to hold him if it's one weaker. But uh, yeah, that sucks. Um, yeah, sorry for those who have him. Last big topic for this week, boys. I just wanted to quickly get your thoughts on... Um, I've got, I'm calling this endgame trade strategies. So... I think most teams out there, without looking too deeply in the stats, uh, are reaching their last sort of one to three trades. I would put as the as the major band of trades that people have got. I just want to know how you sort of what your thought process is when you're figuring out how to use those last trades. So, um, obviously, we've got six or seven weeks of the season left. Um, you don't want to wait too long because it kind of negates the advantage of using the trade. But then you also don't want to go too early with those trades, just in case you you know you cop an injury or a suspension. So, Bandit, how do you approach? These like this sort of the end game of the super coach season. Yeah, it's a it's a tricky one. I think because so many people are in the same situation this year, we've all had to use a lot of trades, you know, early in the year and then through the buys and, and things to upgrade our teams. Like you said, there are a lot of teams with sort of three or, or less trades remaining. So um, you know, I don't see why you couldn't be on the more aggressive side with with this. If you if you've got a bit of cover on on the rookie side of things with your mids and your forwards. Um, you know, I don't see necessarily anything wrong with being super aggressive and, and going up to someone like a James Sisley this week. And um, it could just be that, you know, if, if you're in my situation, you, you kind of need a, a, that last aggressive move to try and get up the ranks as, as high as you can. Um, like I said earlier, I'm missing a few of those sort of really top um, primos this year. So 
um, you never know, just bringing that one extra, you know, gun in um, and using two trays to do it could be the difference maker between, you know, a top 4,000 finish and a top 1,000 finish, for example. So um, it's definitely worth thinking about. Yeah, look, I'm, I'm really leaning towards getting aggressive this week. I've got three trades left before this week. As I mentioned earlier, I'm really, really keen on James Sicily. The only way I can do it is with a downgrade um, to get him. So, yeah, kind of leaning towards doing it. I, th- I think mo- a lot of teams have just got the one trade left. You know, my cover's terrible on all lines, but that's okay. I'm sure most pe- most teams are in that position. You've got to be in it to win it, right, Charlie? You've got to have a crack. What, where do you stand on that? Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm tossing up at the moment. I've got, yeah, two trades left, um, 46K in the bank. Sheasel's just staring me, you know, in the face. I've got to do something about him. Um, Yeah, on the one hand, like, I'm tempted to use those two trades to get him up to, well, I mean, I don't have any DPP that I can throw around, so it's going to have to be a forward. Um, And the issue with that is I've already got Dunkley, Golden, Taranto, Rosie, and Canelio. And there's not really any forwards that, that particularly catch my eye. Um, the only one I could I could make a big case for is Butters, um, who's had an incredible season. He's the fourth highest averaging forward. Um, he's been shit yeah, he's the last up, couple of weeks. That's Yeah, exactly. He's coming off an 81. Um, the other bloke that's been unreal, Eddie, and, and you'll get around this, is Nick Martin. Um, mm, God damn, he's been good. He has. And like, if you take out his score... Um, he scored like, oh, two weeks ago against Port, a 79. Um, he's got a low score of just 120 in the last six weeks. Um, Jesus Christ. Or in the last weeks. So, yeah, like he, he looks good. But then, yeah, I mean, I could do that this week or I'll just stick to what, what I was originally planning and that's just doing, um, you know, in, in two or three weeks' time, Jasper Fletcher down and, and Ryan Marich up to Jesse Cameron and then using him as a loop um, with Harry Sheasel or I, I have a look at George, um, George Hewitt, but... Yeah, there's a lot of stuff. I'm I'm tempted to just use two this week and and try and get away without any injuries and suspensions. It's a big risk to take. Wow, that's you huge. do have to be that's neck level. Yeah, I just like it's all about maximising on field points. To be honest, um, bring in bench. But then you're going to be absolutely. You're then you're going to be wrecked when someone gets a three week ban for a, a dump tackle. I've got the no dickhead policy. It's all right. All my oh, all yeah, my boys. Nice. Are good boys. Yeah, that'll cover it. Um, just quickly on Nick Martin, I think the reason we were all a bit worried about bringing him in was the looming Parish coming back into the side. But if anything, it's actually helped his scoring. I mean, he, he was pushing back to the goal line on the weekend. He's playing that sort of Errol Goulden outside, push, goes wherever he wants, roams up and down the wing. So uh, I think he's going to be a star. Well, obviously, he's already a star, but he's he's been fantastic. Um, yeah, it, uh, just such a tough time of the year. I think I'm 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 leaning. I can't believe I'm saying this because I'm usually the opposite, but I'm leaning towards a, a balls to the wall strategy here for the last few weeks. As you said, Ben. A lot of teams are, you know, without any trades left. Uh, it's time to sort of cash in. Uh, speaking of cashing in, it's a huge time in the year for the con- for content. So I did want to give the SC Playbook subscription package a bit of a plug. $50 for the full package gets you access to all of our NRL, AFL and BBL content for the next 12 months. Uh, $30 only if you want to get access to the AFL only. Extra premium, that gets you extra premium articles every single round. Access to our WhatsApp group with weekly Q&As with contributors and access to our major unlimited group prize as well. Uh, the WhatsApp chat always pops off. We've got some great stuff going on in there. All the boys are really around it. Um, we love jumping in there and doing Q&As. Uh, it's been fantastic. So head over to the SC Playbook website if you want to take more of a look at that. Plans this week, boys. Uh, Bandit, you're our resident captain expert. So 
Where are you headed this week for your VC and C options? Yeah, I was just uh, building the article um, this morning, actually, looking through the matchups and things. And um, I really like Tim English as a VC play this week against the Swans, um, coming against Tom Hickey, who you know, is, a, is a good soldier, but uh, certainly not one of the premier ruckmen in the competition. So um, very much in the camp of um, an English VC this week, um, passing on, on Bond, who... Has been solid enough, but just hasn't probably set the world on fire as much as we would have hoped in the last few weeks. So um, English will probably get the nod for me. Um, and then Nick Dacos against Freo looks like a really obvious play as well. I'm probably going to go English into into Dacos personally. Um, but also really do like Sicily coming back against North Melbourne this week. I think he'll be fresh and ready to go. So he could be a, a huge left field player. I know Dill uh, threw the, the captaincy on him, I think, against Brisbane when he, he, when he pumped out that monster score. So... Um, yeah, he's definitely a nice left field pick for those who are bringing him in. Uh, Charlie, anything to add to that? I think that's pretty airtight for me. I don't have English, so I think I'm going Bontempelli. Uh, Bontempelli into, yeah, probably Dacos is where I'm leaning at the moment. Um, yeah, where's your head at, head at with that? Yeah, pretty similar. Um, VCing Neil on, on Friday night. Um, and then, yeah, I'll go him into Nick Dacos, um, who should have a monster game against the uh, the Dockers at the MCG. I love it. Uh, Trades-wise, Bandit, anything anything moving away from the station in regards to trades or are you too short at this point? No, I'm pretty keen on on using a couple of trades this week. So I'm probably going to go uh, Matthew Johnson to Cooper Harvey, who looked pretty solid on debut for, for North, where the Kangaroos are going. I think they'll be keen to, to get some games into him. Good good size for a first-year player as well. He's, um, he's been killing it yep. in the twos and, and looked really capable on the weekend in a team that got thoroughly beaten so i think he'll hold his spot for the rest of the year hopefully so just bring him in as a warm body for johnson who got who got subbed off um in that game against carlton um and then i'll probably go she's up to up to sicily as a as that sort of um d6 to sort of d1 or two upgrade um i think it's that time of year where you can sort of pick around the edges of of your team and you know bring some of those top guys in so um yeah they're the trades that i'm toying with this week Nice. You similarly see um, Sicily as a bit of a must-have, same as me. Yeah, I think if you're if you're in a position to get him, he's very expensive at, at 649k. But um, yeah, for me, I've got three trades left before this week, um, and I can get him in two. So um, yeah, it's a bit of a no-brainer for me, especially going she's up to Sicily. That's a that's you know potentially a 60 or 70 point swing every week um, that you're getting on people who have to hold Sheasel. So um, yeah, it's a bit of a no-brainer for me. I think. Yeah, love it. I'm in the exact same boat with Mason Redmond. Um, I think that's going to happen for me. Uh, boys, each round of the season, we will be, be producing an exclusive SC playbook, playbook market of our own through Better. Um, we're extremely excited that we've now got access to integrating a, official AFL fantasy markets with them as well. To follow along with this week's multi, you can find the link to it, the market in any of our articles at scplaybook.com.au or in our YouTube descriptions. Uh, by going through these channels, it'll re- let Better know that we sent you. So that would be much appreciated if you are linking up your account. What are you really gambling with? Set a deposit limit. For free and confidential support, call 1-800-858-858 or visit gamblinghelponline.org.au. Uh, that's about all we've got time for today, boys. Um, really appreciate your time on the pod as always. Uh, it's been a fascinating time of the Supercoach season. Uh, yeah, good luck to both of your teams this weekend. Uh, Can't wait to talk to all of you again uh, next weekend. Hopefully we all have a good week.